Hey there, everyone. It's Alex and... Ryan. And we are your two favorite hosts of the internet's favorite podcast, Suck My Fanfic. So we're recording this on April 12th at 10.17. That's the time at this exact moment, Eastern Standard Time. Yep. Now... The cesium atoms are vibrating and we're getting the exact atomic time. At 9 a.m., Pacific time Ugh. today. What is that? What is that like? 5 p.m. our time? I'm, yeah, I don't no. even know. I can't do math. Yeah. yeah. I'm on Greenwich well, Mean Time because of all our fans. What are we still using? Are we still using trains? Is that why we need uh, time zones? What is this? Ridiculous. This is stupid. Yeah. We have phones now, people. Mm-hmm. 9 a.m. Pacific time. Mm-hmm. There is going to be a panel at Star Wars Celebration. Mm-hmm. And they're going to release... The trailer for episode nine, apparently, the title, some pictures, some information, previously unknown things. Just anything. Anything. And, and by the time you listen to this, you'll you, know everything. You'll know everything. It's going to be two weeks from now. You're going to see. They might release the movie. That, yeah. You may have seen the movie. We now. have no idea. Like, you could have already seen Ray and Kylo hook up mm-hmm. in the. There could be some great Raylo stuff. We have no idea. Who knows? So we just wanted to take this time to uh, give our fan theories mm-hmm. on what episode nine is going to be about, and they're probably accurate. It's probably right. Right. Um, it's going to. This is going to sound staged, like we actually saw the event. No, we, we we yeah. We honestly have not seen it. Yeah, it's, it's going to sound staged because we're going to be so accurate. Going to nail it. So I think first off, Jar Jar is coming back full swing. Okay, you think he's you the best the, part of the original six? Are you on the? Um... Are you on the Jar Jar is Snoke or like a Darth Sidious kind of character <laughs> bandwagon? Are you on that bandwagon? Uh, y- sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jar Jar's been the Sith Lord this whole time. I actually, I, I saw a real fan theory by His greatest who... evil act was ruining the entire franchise. It's well, possible. I, did he ruin it or did Ryan Johnson ruin it? <laughs> you know, one thing I want to like... I one, think, I think a, a bunch of people one did thing, some things to it. Yeah. One thing that kind of bothered me, and I think this is true for a lot of, of fandoms, a lot of franchises. I, it bothers me. Like, I didn't like Star Wars 8. Sorry for the people that did, but I really didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think if you like it, you can even admit that there are some fair criticisms for that movie. Absolutely. Right. But to say it ruined your childhood, when you, when people say that, that statement to me is just really stupid. Just Sorry to, if you use it seriously. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to call you stupid, but just hear me out. I don't think anyone uses it seriously. It's like no, I think people. That, I think there are people, people that use say. it seriously. It's I like, think people say it seriously. Oh man, did you see that new picture of Hillary Duff? It ruined my childhood. Oh, it ruined my childhood. Look, if your childhood was good, something that happened today can't ruin it. If you're an adult, that just ruins something you like from your childhood, or ruins something. New about a thing you like from your childhood. Well, it's, it's not ruining your childhood. It's casting a new light on your childhood. Like no, if it's you were, not. Yeah, it's like... Star if, Wars 8 didn't come out when I was a kid, therefore it didn't ruin my childhood. But like if Star Wars 8 came out and was like, hey, yeah, the whole time Obi-Wan was the bad guy, he'd be like, oh, whoa, I feel terrible now. Okay, but Or how, like if your childhood was all about, dude, I really love Jared from Subway, and then it came <laughs> out that for some reason he was a bad guy, <laughs> Shit. that would ruin your childhood. People's childhoods have actually been ruined by Jared. So to say that... Or Michael Jackson. The Last Jedi... Okay. Ouch. To say that the last Jedi <laughs> ruined your childhood, you know, you're taking away from an actual. Movie. Look, if you grew up and your mom played Michael Jackson's CDs in the car, and you think, "Man, I love Michael Jackson. He was a vital part of my childhood." Mm-hmm. Then you watch Leaving Neverland or yes. whatever it's Finding yes. Neverland, whatever, Leaving whatever Neverland. it's called. It's phenomenal. And you go, "Oh, that kind of ruined my childhood." Mm-hmm. Fair. I still don't think that's the right terminology, the mm-hmm. right way to say it. 
I at least get that. That changed my childhood. That changes my current perspective on someone that was important to my childhood. That's, I think, more accurate, but not as fun to say. <laughs> not as catchy. No, but like when you watch Star Wars 8, which by the way, I don't think we've talked that much about Star Wars on here. Not yet. You love Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I've got a bunch of fix lined up. I couldn't give two shits. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie to you. Like, I get it. I get the appeal. I get why some people like it. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I've never been big. In- I'm not going to lie. I grew up and when I was young, the prequels were a thing. Yeah. Same. So I actually love the prequels. I like the prequels And people, too. you know, original people, you know, from back Phantom Menace is one of my favorite movies. I love Phantom Menace. Well, Phantom Menace Menace is objectively the best movie in all the Star Wars universe. Objectively speaking, it's the best movie. Objectively? How how can you say that objectively? Okay, well, first off, it's the only one with a self-contained story. Okay. Great. That's that's Because it's the first. Because it's the first. No, it's the fourth. Thank you. Well, I mean, it's like if you're going to start watching it chronologically, it is the first, so it doesn't rely on anything before or after. No, no. How would you say uh, New Hope is not... It's own self-contained no, no, story. No, 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 New Hope is just a Dune ripoff. No, it's just a ripoff. Oh, so you're Dune. saying it's an original story. Not that it's self-contained. You can, like, a standalone. No, it is self-contained. Yeah, New Hope yeah. self-contained. Can no, watch no, by itself, no, 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 no. Why not? No, no New, Hope's, New Hope's trash. It's cabbage. Okay, whatever. No, I'm lying. No, I'm messing with you. No, I, um, I, I think my favorite is actually New Hope. Okay. From the original That's three. That's fine. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. I, I, like, yeah. I, I actually like New Hope. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I like the movies. Mm-hmm. I actually like the movies. You think that the hype is too much? I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't get the hype. I've never been into it. That's fine. I like, like I said, I like Star Wars as a kid. Mm-hmm. I like playing with the lightsaber. I still have my Obi-Wan Kenobi light up mm-hmm. lightsaber. I like, I like the movies. Love They're it, fun, yeah. but I've never been one of those people that's been obsessed with them. And I have friends that are. Like, I have friends that their phone case is like Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Uh, phone case and they have the mandalorian uh writing like their name on it and stuff like that's that that's pretty legit yeah, yeah when you live in orlando and disney owns star wars you can get a lot of cool when stuff. i worked at disney the the amount of times i came so close to purchasing like multiple like movie accurate lightsabers was, yeah. Uh, yeah i had to stop myself I exactly the funds for it yeah yeah i just i don't know I've, I've never seen the hype and there are people that don't see the hype in comic books yeah. there are people that don't see the hype in a plenty of things that i mm-hmm. love which is totally fine you and i don't have to see eye to eye like you can love you're, you're really tall, so you don't see eye to eye with a lot of I don't see eye to eye with a lot of people. I see eye to eye with you. You're tall. Yeah. When we're sitting, I, usually. No, I'm only like an inch taller than you in real life. Still like, not eye to eye. Our eyes are on different. They're on different levels. It's close enough. Okay, so what are your um, what are your predictions? What's going to happen? So real prediction. My actual prediction of what's yeah. going to happen. I will say, I feel like my biggest criticism of Star Wars 8, mm-hmm. and I'm not even going to take any of the other approaches that I think a lot of people would, mm-hmm. I felt like that movie had four acts, and it should have ended after three. That seems fair. Yeah, the whole going to that that's, the, the that planet mining the planet that mm-hmm. was when I was like, oh my god, the movie should have ended. This mm-hmm. movie should have been done. You didn't want to see the crystal foxes, the Those salt cool. that turns I red. I like the crystal foxes, but I didn't like the 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 force ghost and Luke dying and all of that. I understand that it was needed, but after that big fight scene in the throne room and them escaping the the spaceship mm-hmm. that was really good the movie should have been over in my opinion you have that big action scene you have that big scene with kylo and ray where they're oh that's such a great scene that's a, that's a, a legitimately great scene, great scene. Mm-hmm. i i i was sitting there and i was like this is cool this is star wars this is what it should be mm-hmm. when they were doing that fighting and then the they hit the curtain and it started burning mm-hmm. and then you can see space behind them and you're like this I is know. so awesome sick but everything before that wasn't that cool and then everything after was like why are we still here we mm-hmm. had the big star wars moment mm-hmm. We had the Ray choose between the light and the dark side of the force, mm-hmm. and she chose light. Mm-hmm. Why are we still here? Why are we? Why are we still here? We got this movie over with, and I just because you got to set up toys. That was my biggest criticism, besides the space witch bitch. That mm-hmm. just bothered me. She, I, 
I don't know. I like to think, personally, that Leia is so strong, she pulled the spaceship to her. She didn't actually pull <laughs> The entire universe moved, moved towards around her. her. I think that um, Carrie Fisher, rest in peace, when she was on this planet, she, everything around her, she was stationary and everything yes. moved around her. We all revolved around her for exactly. the short time she, she was on this earth, mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Yes. So my actual prediction... Going going past eight, I gave my criticism of eight. Mm-hmm. I actually thought seven was good. It was just a direct rip off of four. I loved seven. I love seven. That was so fun. It, yeah. it was if J.J. Abrams does even half as good a job on nine, I it'll think be, it's going to be a stellar great. movie. Yep. I my actual prediction, I think Kylo's going to be super super torn between the two sides of the Force. Okay, because he's a Skywalker, mm-hmm. and I think that Snoke's not actually dead, or that Snoke was not actually in control. He was just a puppet of someone else. Jar Jar. Of Jar Jar. Jar Jar or Palpatine or Plagueis or someone. Mm-hmm. And Plagueis, that's interesting. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. yeah. That'd be interesting. Because, you know, there's the fan theory that uh, Palpatine was uh, Plagueis the whole time. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah. Plagueis, for those who don't know, is like a, supposed to be... Darth Plagueis the Wise. Exactly. Have you heard the tale it's of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Not a story the Jedi would tell you. He's the, uh, <laughs> he's the one who event- essentially trained... The Emperor, who's yes. the antagonist of, you know, the original trilogy, yeah. the old kind of crippled gray guy. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's his master. Yeah. And the, the original. Th- the thing about Star Wars. Who, inve- who like, used the force to create Darth Vader, essentially. Yes. The thing about Star Wars is I don't care that much about it, but I know so much. And that's, yeah. that almost bothers me. <laughs> that I have so much information on it. If you're a nerd, it's, it's required. Yeah. So it's Darth- required. There's like a te- there should be, like, a test you have to take. <laughs> yeah, basically. What is your Star Wars literacy rate? Yeah. Is it high? Do you know the extended universe that is no longer canon, <laughs> but it's just called Legends now? Mm-hmm. Darth Plagueis the Wise was a Sith Lord, mm-hmm. and thousands of years before Episode One, even, mm-hmm. the Sith declared this thing called the Rule of Two, where there could only be two Sith at any one time. Yep. A master and an apprentice. And then the apprentice had to overtake the master and kill him. Or the master had to get paranoid and kill the apprentice. Right. So either way, a really healthy relationship. Like yes. my last relationship. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. If you can tell, he's still here. Have you ever heard from his last uh, girlfriend? I don't think so. That's not a story the Jedi would tell you. No, okay, so okay, so you think uh, Snoke is a puppet? I, I think Snoke could be a puppet. I was reading this like fan theory or mm-hmm. quote unquote leaked. You know, you know how they have all their leaks that yep. aren't ever true. Mm-hmm. So there's no really reason to talk about them. But this mm-hmm. is a fan fiction podcast, so we can talk about leaks. Let it fly. Apparently, there's going to be a character called the Oracle, which is a parasitic bug that is on the head of a baby. And we don't know if it's a human baby, but it's a baby. This sounds like I'm I'm on acid. <laughs> yeah. There's a character called the Oracle mm-hmm. on the head of a baby. Mm-hmm. The Oracle is like the big baddie of all time. It was re- manipulating Snoke this whole time. Okay. Snoke, not Snoke. Snoke dies. Snoke dog. Snoke dog dies, and then it starts to try to tempt Kylo. Okay. And because of Kylo's connection to Rey, he wants to be good again. Hmm. Okay. But he he feels trapped. He can't. I definitely feel like the first two movies dealt with him grappling between the light and the yeah. dark, between spoilers, killing Han Solo to get rid of the past, and then in this last trying one... Trying to kill his mom. You know, trying to kill his mom, and then, you know, kind of being tempted by, oh, we can kind of join in the middle, not so light, not so dark, and reach a compromise. I feel like he's re- he's reached like a full rejection. I do too. So I, my prediction is that it's going to be kind of like, it's going to start off with like some fun and games, like some space battles, and then I think the ultimate culmination might just be like... We got to take this uh, this Kylo Ren out, and we're gonna have a nice like epic duel um, at the end. And then I, Finn 
Hopefully, we'll have something to do in the meantime. Maybe he'll be, like, leading a group. Hopefully, Rose is off on her own doing nothing. <laughs> Rose will be involved. Rose will have some stuff to do. But hopefully, you know, Finn and Poe, um, after they, they get married, because that happens in almost every fan fiction. Ever. Um, they like, actually, like, there's, there's a section of fan fiction in Star Wars where it's, like, they get married, but they didn't know about it. Or, like, they're in a relationship, but they didn't know about That's it. That's so weird. Yeah, so once they're they're done with their relationship, they'll have some fun things to do. I, I see it as like kind of like it's going to be a good time, like high energy adventure. Yeah, I want this one to be simple. I feel like eight really tried to overcomplicate. Things. I think it'll be, quite and I'm simple. not I'm I'm not criticizing Ryan Johnson. I appreciate that he wanted to do something different because seven, like I said, was just a blatant copy of four. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad eight wasn't just a copy of five. Do you think that? Ray will actually have a parent that matters. Like I think Obi-Wan so. Kenobi. I you think J.J. Abrams is going to change it. I believe as well. I, I honestly believe J.J. Abrams. Because the accent. It's the accent. J.J. Abrams had a plan, and I think he was expecting Ryan Johnson to go with it. Trust and him, J.J. Yeah. And the other thing, I, I read this bit of information that Daisy Ridley was talking about, mm-hmm. where she filmed the ending for Seven with J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. And it ended almost the same way, except it didn't, where she got to that planet. Crate. Crate. Yeah, it is Crate. Crate and Barrel. Yeah, Crate and Barrel. She got to Crate and Barrel, and Luke was floating in midair with boulders hovering around him. You're talking about the planet that Luke was training on? You're talking yeah. about the end, no, like no, the no. salt planet? No, I'm talking about the end of Seven. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's yeah, not Crate. So seven ended... Mm-hmm. What's that planet? Okay, I'll look Octo? Oh, yes, that's it. Is it Octo? Octo, yeah. Oh, nice. I feel really good about that, because, like I said, I know a lot, mm-hmm. but I just don't care. Mm-hmm. So she gets to Octo. She you know, holds the lightsaber out and then you just see Luke floating there. His like third eye is just wide open Mm -hmm. and these boulders are just floating around him and he's just, you know, like powerful Mm -hmm. in the force. That's how they filmed the original ending to seven, Mm -hmm. right? Ryan Johnson wrote his script completely omitting that Mm -hmm. with Luke being out of the force. It took Daisy Ridley to catch the fact that they weren't on the same plane. She filmed the ending to seven, started to film the, the beginning of eight and said, whoa, 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 we're not even close to being on the same page here. And mm-hmm. then they had to redo the end oh, of seven. okay, so they kind of kowtowed to... Exactly, to Ryan's vision. Hmm. So I think that J.J. had a clear picture. And why didn't we have the Knights of Ren in eight? I, I, that's what I think nine will... That's why the fun and games I'm talking yeah. about, where it's like battles and stuff. Yeah. We're going to see a lot of Knights of Ren. Because yeah. we, we, we can't have another captain phasma boba fett like super cool character that never really does no. anything so especially think, since she's gotten beat twice the dumbest ways. so i think this one if i have a solid prediction for nine it will be kylo is commanding the uh, first order and the knights of ren and the knights of ren are out trying to collect sith artifacts to help oh, like superpower that's up really cool. kylo ren yeah and um it'll be like a race to collect these artifacts a MacGuffin. We have a MacGuffin. You have to have them. There was no real MacGuffin. There was in. nothing. So eight didn't feel like it had a point. I think they'll be visiting like Sith temples, Jedi temples, oh, and we'll explore so cool. that. And I think they'll are, be. A are they going to of... be visiting um, casino planets? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think they'll have some new Jedi because I was teased at the end of um, of eight how kind of the force yeah, has that been she was re- going to be training. Re- to they'll have Do some... you think Finn is going to have a refined Sith? Or not refined, or refined Jedi training, and um, Finn's going to be a Jedi now? So. No, I don't think so. No. I actually, it's weird. I like that he picked up the lightsaber, but I understand in, in the context of the universe, there's no way he should have even competed with Kylo. 
the fact that Kylo is supposed to be yeah I think Kylo yeah. was Kylo was toying with him and it's not like he got he didn't make Kylo sweat you no. know, you're talking about the fight they had in episode seven seven yeah it's not like he gave him a fight or anything it's no. just that Kylo kind of toyed with him and then like almost paralyzed him just ran yeah. out of the saber of his bat yeah that's that's kind of my thought yeah for for that's a good episode prediction nine. that's my guess I know it's 100 percent correct yeah so. no that's it we just spoiled it for everybody even though you all know what it is and we don't yep yeah how fun is that I'm excited. Uh, I guess, I'm happy. I'm yeah. so excited for you that yeah. you that you have. This you already on us. know what it is. You got the know. drop on yeah. us. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what it could be. Mm-hmm. I know I've like said fan theories, but I like yours. I mm-hmm. like yours a lot. I legitimately like Finn. I think he's a great character. Great character. I don't want him to be connected to anybody else. I hate how people are saying he's Mace Windu's kid or whatever. That's so yeah. Or Lando's. Lando's in nine. Is it? oh that's right. Lando oh, is okay. in nine. So maybe he's Billy Lando's D. Williams kid. is yeah. in it. Oh, yes, that's, he is. That's awesome. Yeah. I again, I don't want him to be. Related to Lando, if he if he is, I don't really care. But Donald Glover should be in nine too. I would fucking love it if Donald Glover was in nine. Don't even tease me like that. <laughs> Donald Glover should be like in most. Donald movies. Glover needs to be in everything I ever consume. You know he's in a movie with Rihanna that comes out like this weekend or something. You're lying to me. I didn't. I saw it on TV. I was like, how have I not heard of this? Why is he so weird when it comes to releasing his stuff? It's amazing. I yeah. don't care. It's great. I'm so glad he's going to be in the Lion King. No, I'm very upset they replaced Jeremy Irons and Nathan Lane. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have done that, but it's mm-hmm. whatever. It's whatever. Who's Jeremy Irons going to be? Jeremy Irons is the original Scar. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. They shouldn't have replaced him. Yeah. And then they also replaced Nathan Lane with Billy with Eichner. Billy Eichner. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike Billy Eichner, but Nathan Lane is pure perfection. Legend- legendary. Yes. If they were going to have one holdover, I'm glad it was uh, James Earl Jones. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. You had, had to. to. Yeah. You had to. You had to keep that. So I think that's enough Star Wars talk, maybe? Yeah. Is that, is that good on the Star Wars fill? What do you think? I feel satiated for yeah. this week. I think we can definitely have a Star Wars episode in the future. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's out of the out of the question. Mm-hmm. In a think? galaxy far, far away, a long time from now or soon, well, closer, far. Are we going to wait until December when the movie comes out? <laughs> can we do one now and then one in December? Let's we, let's just convert full time to a Star Wars podcast. Oh God! Okay, no. Yeah, we'll go. The podcaster strike back. Let a us podcast know. with Alex and Ryan. If you want to, <laughs> hey guys, welcome down to the fire when the podcast strikes back. Uh, my name's Ryan. Okay. <laughs> Ryan pushes up his glasses. And George Lucas it, but there that's not how it happened. Um, if you want us to do Star Wars content, if you want us to do any content, let us know. Guys. Let us know. Yeah. Send us a tweet. We're on Twitter. Send us an email. Please tweet at me. We're on electronic mail. Yes. Send us anything. Come on. Our Twitter is suck my fanfic. Our email is suckmyfanfic at gmail.com. No spaces or anything like that. Let us know. DM yeah. me. Let's talk Star Wars. Yeah. My DM's open, my guys. But we're not doing Star Wars today. No. No. Uh, totally, totally different. We just figured we'd talk about Star Wars since they're releasing it today. And we wanted to give you our predictions, which are 100% accurate, mm-hmm. and will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Last week, I teased that we were going to do a Scrubs fanfic. Mm-hmm. Give me your background with Scrubs. What is your familiarity with Scrubs? So we talked we talked about it a little bit a little after bit, yeah. the last show. Um, I I know it was on Netflix, right? It was for a little bit. It was on Netflix back when I was in like high school, mm-hmm. and I watched it. I I watched it on WGN America, the the TV yeah. channel, every night of like summer, probably like twenty eleven. Like they mm-hmm. aired another episode in order, and yeah. I watched. I stayed up until like eleven thirty till one a.m. They would show a couple, maybe it was two or three. And that's how I watched the whole series, like day in day. I like wake up, go cut the grass, go do my job, and then come back and watch Scrubs at night. That's a great story. And then, and then when it came on Netflix, I never rewatched it. That was it. That's my only experience with Scrubs. They also played it religiously on Comedy Central. Oh, yeah, I never, I never. I would maybe poke my head in, but I had that that yeah. summer of Scrubs. Yeah, that was my experience. So you like Scrubs? 
Yeah, I liked the um, blend. It was funny. It was like creative and kind of like cart- it was like a cartoon, yeah. kind of in the vein of like a Thirty yeah. Rock, but um, really heavy hitting moments. Like yeah. just now, before this, I was reading the synopsis, kind of just to get caught up on the storyline of the show. Um, and I was like, wow, if you read this, this is like a Grey's Anatomy exactly. like, procedural medical drama. When I try to explain like storylines from Scrubs to my friends, I sound like I'm talking about like a soap opera, but mm-hmm. it's not at all. Mm-hmm. And so what, what is Scrubs? So Scrubs, it's a sitcom, mm-hmm. 30-minute sitcom, or 22, if you're watching on Netflix. It's actually on Hulu at the moment, so if you're watching on Hulu. And it's basically a story about John Dorian, a.k.a. J.D., played by Zach Braff, who I think is very underrated as an actor. And, I think and, he's a great and, actor. He's an auteur. He, he makes films as well. Yes. Have you ever seen Wish I Was Here? It's his, mm-hmm. newest, his latest film, not newest, but his latest. I love that movie. I think it's a great movie. Zach Braff, who also voiced the voice of Chicken Little. Just want to throw that Another one out there. epic turn. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Zach Braff. Mm-hmm. Thank you for giving life to that character. Thank you. Yeah. That's a good movie. That's a good, really good movie. Good mm-hmm. character. It follows JD as he is first a intern and then comes all the ways all the way up until he's a full-fledged doctor and has mm-hmm. his own interns mm-hmm. and just kind of his life in the hospital dealing with, you know, the trials and tribulations of being a doctor and learning, you know, discovering who you are and mm-hmm. being, being comfortable with yourself and just kind of dealing through life's twists and turns. His he's- best friend, Turk, mm-hmm. is a surgeon. They went through medical school together. Turk is played by Donald Faison or Faison. Faison, great actor. Faison. He's he's great. great. He should be in more stuff. He really needs to be in he's, more he's stuff. He's really good. He's, he's got really that Scrubs money though. He yeah. doesn't have to. <laughs> yeah. JD's love interest on again is off again, right? Elliot. Yeah, they're on on again off again. She was kind of the you know the desired girl at the very beginning, but then you find out she's super competitive, and mm-hmm. then you know he kind of likes that. She was like the Rachel of Friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is her name in real life? Sarah Chalk. Sarah Chalk. She is the voice of the mom on Rick and Morty. Blew my mind. Yes, she's also on Roseanne. Mm-hmm. She was from Roseanne. She's been a lot of stuff. She was uh, Stella in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ted's fiance that left him at the altar. I've never seen How I Met Your Mother. No, well, there you, we might have to dive into that one then. So she's been in a lot. She's great. And she plays this just manic, all-over-the-place character. But Elliot is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love Elliot. There's Carla, who is Turk's girlfriend, who is an older Hispanic nurse. Dominican nurse. I'm Dominican. The I'm musical d- episode. Dun, dun. I do. do we will talk about my musical. Don't even go there with me. <laughs> okay. JD's mentor is a man named Dr. Cox. Perry Cox. I think Dr. Cox is one of the, I don't even know how to describe it, most well-crafted characters in TV sitcom history or he, I think, like, he he's laid... so deep. He's, like, if we didn't have Robert Downey Jr., I'd want him to be Iron Man. Yeah. Super John smart. John C. McGinley, yeah. period, is a great actor. Yeah. He's amazing. And he actually does a lot of stage stuff now, because he's he's even said, I have that Scrubs money. I don't need to do TV. <laughs> oh, I lo- I'd love to see... I, he was in a movie called Point Break with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. It was really great. Really great movie. He's great in that, too. John C. McGinley just... I think he's... It's very understated how much he contributed to that show. Oh, yeah. He's... Dr. Cox's amazing powerhouse yes and he is this he's this character that has this rough 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 exterior Mm -hmm. and he's supposed to be a father figure to jd and he just pushes him away at every turn Mm -hmm. and it's it's ridiculous he's he's such a good character i'm not going to spoil it for anybody but he never gives any affection to jd and then there's this one tender moment at the very end where it just like hits you Mm -hmm. and you're like god 
damn it, Dr. Cox. <laughs> and he, you know, he struggles with alcoholism. He has an ex-wife that they have a very weird, unhealthy relationship, mm-hmm. but it works. And she has, he has, they have a child together. They have two children together. They have two kids, okay. And he uh, struggles to show affection to his kids. There's just, there's so much there with Dr. Cox that doesn't get talked about. Because obviously the show's about JD, but I think mm-hmm. Dr. Cox, and the relationship between JD and Dr. Cox is... Next to like next to nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I think they are. I think that relationship it was so well written and mm-hmm. so well explored. For a sitcom, I think Scrubs did so many things right. Mm-hmm. There's the janitor. Yep. Who is just a crazy man? What's that guy's name? Something Flynn. Neil. Neil Flynn. Neil Flynn. He was the dad in the middle, uh-huh. and also the dad in Mean Girls. Yep. Lindsay Lohan's dad. Yeah, he's uh, he's hilarious. He's great. I heard like he did a lot of improv for his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Almost all the, the janitors. Wall. Lines were improv. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing with him was, uh, yeah, I have a girlfriend. Hey, lady. And her name was Lady. Mm-hmm. I, it's great. It's such a good show. Yeah. And they would do this. The thing about JD is it was kind of known for his daydreams. Yeah. He'd sit there and he'd daydream a little bit. And there'd be some crazy thing going on in his head. And then he'd snap back to reality. And snap back to, to reality. reality. Whoa, there goes JD. It's, um, that's why that brought on that kind of cartoonish energy. Yeah. Kind of like Family Guy before Family Guy really yeah. started doing all those flashbacks. Exactly. And I think the thing that made it work so well is Cutaways. that it, Sorry. Yeah. It dealt with these these heavy topics. It dealt with... Just illness. illness. Everything. Addiction, illness, just tattered relationships, family, whatever. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to get into it, it. The show, in some capacity, probably dealt with it. And it would look at it with this lighthearted tone, but it would still hit you right in the gut. I think mm-hmm. the best episode, best single episode, I cannot remember what the name of it is off the top of my head, but it's the one where Turk and JD have the night out to go get steaks and there's the old man who found out he's going to die and they mm. just sit there and talk about death with him wow you remember which one i'm talking I about i don't remember that episode that they sounds... sit there and the guy's like i just want one last beer and they go out and they get him a beer and he sits there oh they he... take he's like in the hospital and yeah they take him out with him okay no no no, they, no he doesn't they they don't see him out, him out there no 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 they they don't go they were supposed to have this night out on the oh, town okay. and they stay in the hospital oh, to talk to him okay okay this sounds familiar it's a great episode. And that one, that just punches you in the gut. And it's not a spoiler. Obviously, the guy dies. Mm-hmm. But it's just the way they do it. It's so well written. It's so good. There's that. There's an episode where Dr. Cox's friend is in the hospital because yeah. he's like constantly sick. Yeah. Those episodes are really good. Yeah. Those are good. The ones when his brother comes to town are really good. His brother looks just like him. Whoever yeah. they cast to play his brother looks exactly uh, like Cavanaugh. him. Cavanaugh. Tom Cavanaugh? Yeah. Yeah. He is Dr. Wells on The Flash. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's he's a great what, actor. That's what I recommend. Fantastic him. actor. So the, the whole show, I think, is just stellar. Objectively speaking, it's probably, in my opinion, of the, the sitcoms it's, it's, I've uh, it's, seen, it's, it's one of the best. It ever. is definitely on the level of The Office, but it doesn't get nearly the same exposure. No. And I think the other thing, too, is I've actually I've heard from some people in the medical field, medical that profession, accurate. that Scrubs is actually more accurate than Grey, like Grey's Anatomy. I think like the holy triumvirate is... Like Veep, The Office, mm-hmm. and um, Scrubs yeah. in terms of like kind of like office life, politics, med- medicine, yeah. and then in, in the comedy form. Those are yeah. like the, the perfect translations. I, I can go with that, yeah. But I, I've heard that Scrubs is more accurate than Grey's Anatomy, that Scrubs is more authentic. So it's cool. Their set was an actual hospital. Hmm. It was an old hospital, and they... Was it was it like a functioning hospital with like actual patients? At one point it was, but when they took it over, it was just vacant. <laughs> hey, um, all you sick people, I know you're going to go yeah. into surgery, but not, yeah. not today. Yeah, yeah. Not today, please leave. But no, it's cool. They had a, they had an actual hospital that they filmed in. Yeah, and it's cool. Yeah. 
It was it was just a good show. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, I, I cannot recommend it enough. I know we always talk about South Park and how much I love South Park, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like my go-to. Just I'm trying not to think for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Scrubs is great, honestly. It's it's a well-rounded show. It's amazing. I'll have to wa- I'll start watching it again. I haven't I haven't seen it since that summer, so I, really I recommend. It. Honestly, go back because I rewatched it recently. And also for those of you Scrub Scrubs fans listening, Scrubheads, Scrubheads, the last season wasn't that bad. When they did med school. Is it Dave Franco in that Dave season? Franco's in it. The thing was... It's on ABC, too. Yes. The yeah. thing was, the final season of Scrubs was great. The final episode of Scrubs is the best series finale I've ever seen in my life. I never actually saw the last season because it wasn't out at the time I was watching it. The last episode of Scrubs will punch you straight in the gut. Mm-hmm. The hardest you can ever be punched and you still want to watch it. Mm-hmm. It is so good. And it's the perfect send-off for the character. It's a perfect send-off for the show. Until a new group of interns comes to town. And that's, that was the reason why a lot of people were angry that it came back. Yes. But their thing was, we told JD's story. Yes. We want to tell more stories in the same format, same style, new characters. Uh-huh. It could have worked. Could have. Honestly. No one gave it a chance. But I think though. the people who are true Scrubs fans felt betrayed. And I'm a true Scrubs fan, but I can sit there and recognize that it's not supposed to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was good. I thought okay. there were some good storylines in it. I thought there were really funny moments. I thought they wrote good characters. Like but I said, I've never seen it, so I don't, I don't it's know. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, I can't comment on it. It's good. But it, if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine. We can disagree. And if, if me saying it's not that bad totally ruins your belief that I would pick out a good Scrubs fanfic, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let us eradicate that myth yes. right now with your dope story. Yeah. Well, the story is not in the med school. It is just about the regular Scrubs. Okay. Sorry about that. So I just wanted to say before we started, sometimes when preparing for this show, I actually come across stories I really want to share. And typically they're funny, lighthearted, clever, or smutty. Mm-hmm. But today I don't have a story that is any of those things. Quite honestly, since Scrubs is so important to me, and like I said, Scrubs, like you, like you agreed, Scrubs has a way of hitting those tender, serious notes mm-hmm. right on the head. Mm-hmm. And I think that I read this, and this fic was worth sharing, even though it's not funny, it's not you know lighthearted, it's a pretty serious, pretty heavy fic. Mm-hmm. But I think the way it was written, the way it referenced the show and integrated itself into the show, it was worth discussing. Okay. It was worth reading. It was worth sharing. So I'm sorry it, that this isn't going to be that funny of an episode. Let me take off my – I, I was yeah. record with like a clown nose yeah. and like a little propeller hat. Let me yeah. take those off now. Please take those off. Okay. I know it's not going to be as fun or exciting as our other episodes, but I still think this is a good fic. So I kind of want to talk about it. Sounds good. Does that sound good? Let's do it. Okay. So it's called My Bulimia. Because mm-hmm. every show would be called My Something. Mm-hmm. My favorite episode is My Bulimia. Or not My Bulimia, Jesus. My Musical. Yes. And it's a musical episode. The perspective character has a brain tumor and she mm-hmm. hears everybody singing. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so good. It's a great, great episode. You never mentioned the Todd in your the Todd, characters. Yeah. Well, the Todd's not in this, so I didn't really... The to- Todd is just this weird, weird... <laughs> I didn't talk about Dr. Kelso. I didn't talk about Ted. I yeah, mean, yeah. There are a lot of characters. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, what, Laverne? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of characters oh gosh, in reference. Did Laverne die? In she did die. Oh, my gosh. That's such a heavy episode. And that one hits you right in the gut. That's a heavy episode. Yeah. She she was a nurse, and she passed away. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kelso, who was the head of the hospital, he was forced to retire, mm-hmm, and then he realized he didn't older. have anything else to do with his life, so he would just hang around the hospital. In, like, Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. And, like, he was on vacation. He'd right? sit in the coffee shop and just mess with people. Mm-hmm. It's such... It's so good. The, mm-hmm. the ensemble of characters is amazing. 
So this is my bulimia. It's written by Simply Overstated on Archive of Our Own. And I just wanted to say, obviously, if you can't tell from the title, we're going to be dealing with stuff like bulimia. A lot of this has to do with mental health. If that's something you're not interested in listening to or something you don't think you'll be able to listen to, mm-hmm. we totally understand if you have to check out right now. I recommend going back and listening to the first episode. Yeah, just listen to that instead. Something gross and lighthearted. <laughs> listen to something gross and lighthearted. Uh, we have 16 episodes behind us that are all very lighthearted and fun. And we have uh, at this, you know, whenever you're listening, potentially 100 episodes ahead. 100 episodes, yeah, 100 years. Yeah, you could have 100 ahead of us. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's something else that could that could tickle your fancy at the moment. But if you like Scrubs, if you're in for a serious, heavy fic dealing mm-hmm. with, you know, mental illness and dealing with serious things, I think we can have one of those episodes, right? Is that... Why not us? Is that bad? Yeah, why not us? Why not? So we're, it's it's a heavy episode. It's not going to be as fun. It's going to be a serious topic. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to go through and uh, read it to you. Let's have it. You ready? Yes, sir. My Bulimia, Chapter 1, Blurring the Line. This is from the, the fic. Mm-hmm. JD's eyes open slowly, his brain protesting the sudden influx of sunlight from his bedroom window. He groaned and his head ached. What did he do last night? He swung his legs over the edge of the bed, his feet landing in something sticky. Fuck! He had tread in a puddle of sick, his own presumably. He looked around for something to wipe the mess up, and his eyes fell on the pile of covers behind him. They were breathing. Had he brought someone home last night? He couldn't remember. Feeling a stab of trepidation, he lifted up a corner of the comforter, revealing a mess of straw-blonde hair. It was Elliot. Thank God. It was starting to come back to him now. They had gone to the bar with Turk and Carla, and things got crazy with the Appletinis, at least for him. So that was a direct quote from the fic. Appletini's was his That's thing. his go-to drink. Yeah, it's his go-to drink. He would go to the bar. Dr. Cox would get a massive beer, and he'd mm-hmm. get an Appletini. And the crazy, that's sort of a, that's a very scrubsy thing. That's a JD inflection. Exactly. So in typical JD fa- fashion, he attempted to jump over the vomit. Instead, he lost his balance. He screamed because he lost his balance. Mm-hmm. Balance. This woke up Elliot. She freaked out, and she, in her freak out, she actually fell in the crack between the bed and the wall mm-hmm. and she couldn't get out okay. so jd grabbed a t-shirt wiped his foot off the one that still had the vomit on it mm-hmm. um hopped over to where she was stuck and just saw her fingers like sticking out of the crack mm-hmm. and he decided he would help her mm-hmm. and so she got out of the crack and started panicking about how they were going to be late for work so, so far as very true. Yeah, this true is tone. this is yep. all a Scrubs fix so far. How is is this written in the form of like a um, a screenplay or is this a straight this up is just and a down straight up narrative. story? Okay. Yeah, this is again from the fic. After wiping up the last of it, JD stumbled into the kitchen and sleepily poured himself a glass of water. He threw two aspirin into his mouth and chased them with the entire glass. Just drinking the water made him feel a little bit better, but the full feeling in his stomach was instantly uncomfortable. It's just water, buddy. Calm down. He heard footsteps from Turk and Carla's bedroom, and a sleepy-eyed Turk entered the kitchen. Yo, what was all that noise? You and Elliot building forts or something? If only, J- thought J.D., gazing up at the ceiling and picturing a giant castle made up of every blanket and pillow in the state. There would be endless pizza and ice cream. They would make s'mores. Hmm, s'mores. Hey, come back to me, buddy. Turk was giving him a knowing look. Giant pillow castle? You know me too well. I've accepted the fact that you'll never look at me like that. Carla had entered the kitchen behind them, looking skeptically at the two men who had been gazing into each other's eyes. They quickly looked away from one another. 
So again, that was written by the author. Direct Scrubs right, everything. Right. Can, I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Like, going through Scrubs, is there any JD Turk pairing? Is it all JD Turk pairings? It's ridiculous how many, how much Scrubs fanfic is smut, uh-huh. first off. All right. But you think there'd them? be more JD and Turk. Wow. It's a lot of JD and Dr. Cox because yeah, okay. of that father-son relationship. That and a lot of JD and the janitor. Okay. I buy both of those. I could see both of those, but... Me, I, I, deep down inside, I thought JD and Turk might be a little too on the nose. That's for what, I the think authors. that's why there's not that many because the show already kind of talks does about it a lot. About, yeah. yeah, JD and the janitor, I could definitely yeah. see. JD definitely. and Turk, uh, I have seen many times. Oh, that's nice. Yep. JD and Turk are just best friends, but they're very close. Mm-hmm. So JD left Carla and Turk to be with each other, and he made his way to the bathroom where Elliot was showering. He jumped in with her and. You know, started to get a little handsy, and she said no. And he just goes, I was just trying to save water. Damn. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to them at the hospital. So this is, again, uh, written by the author. You coming? Turk's voice struck JD out of a particularly strange daydream in which he rode a unicorn into the hospital and jousted with an irate Dr. Cox. What? You coming to lunch? JD's stomach sank. He had been able to get out of eating lunch with them for the past few weeks, pretending he was overloaded with cases. It wasn't exactly a lie. He was a lot busier these days. He had gotten into the pattern of not eating all day at work. It made him feel less burdened somehow, light and floaty. He didn't feel so anxious when Dr. Cox yelled at him for making a mistake, or when Dr. Kelser reminded him of the countless lawsuits hiding behind every patient. When he got home, if Turk wasn't there, he would eat bowl after bowl of cereal or toast or whatever they had in the apartment, mindlessly shoving whatever it was into his mouth while he watched TV. Then, he would walk calmly to the bathroom, stick two fingers in his mouth, and get rid of everything, feeling a foggy combination of relief and shame. The shame, however, lay quietly hidden behind the numbness he felt nearly all the time nowadays. Hmm. So, J.D. is obviously feeling burdened by his stressful job at the hospital. And he knew he couldn't make an excuse to get out of lunch again, so he went with Turk to the cafeteria, he grabbed a burger and sat down with his friends. He had the burger, which was the first hot meal he had had in weeks. And he had the fries, and it tasted really good. And then he felt guilty that it tasted good and that he felt full. And so he decided he needed to get rid of it, and he was going to do it at the hospital. But he had never gotten rid of his food at the hospital before Mm because he just wasn't eating at the hospital. Right. So he decides to go to one of the patient rooms that was unoccupied, and he used the private bathroom there. It it says, uh, it was surprisingly easy to do this undetected, and he was shortly walking back out feeling empty and light once more. Almost immediately, he ran into, literally, an angry Dr. Cox. Where have you been, newbie? He said, crossing his arms and looking impatient. Uh, well, because I explicitly remember asking you to check the chest tube in 114, only to discover that a nurse got there before you did. Now, you may think I have all the time in the world to follow you around and look over your little shoulder and... But his words faded behind a loud ringing in J.D.'s ears. The room spun around him, and Dr. Cox's angry face was suddenly distorted with bubbles and blotches of darkness. Then there was nothing. That's the end of chapter one. Okay, so he's he's fainted. He's yeah. passed out. There's there's seven chapters, so okay. that's chapter one. Okay. So what we got so far is J.D. starting to feel guilty about working at the hospital. All of the pain and stress that he gets from being a doctor is mm-hmm. sort of catching up with him. Okay. Is that that's how it's described? It's it's the, the job and the role is what's yeah. affecting him? Okay. Yeah. That'll be described a little bit later, explained a little bit later. But, he, he, yeah, it's basically the, the the role that he has in the hospital is mm-hmm. sort of catching up with him. So chapter two is called What Doesn't Kill You. So, newbie, are you even listening to me? The young doctor's eyes were glazed over and he looked confused. Then Dr. Cox noticed how pale his face had become. 
Hey, Farah, you still with us? It's a thing. Dr. Cox calls JD a different girl's name every mm-hmm. episode. Suddenly, JD's eyes rolled back and his knees buckled beneath him. Hey, newbie, JD. He rushed forward, but he wasn't fast enough to catch the thin figure before he hit the floor. I need some help over here. He was by JD's side in a second, checking his pulse and tapping his cheek. Hey, newbie, can you hear me? JD, JD. But the eyes remains, remained closed, unresponsive. Dr. Cox felt a coldness in the air, or in his chest, that he never felt with, with patients before. Usually, he felt exhilarated, clear-headed. Now he felt, what was the word? Helpless. Three nurses had rushed over to help, and a crash cart was suddenly beside him. So Dr. Cox and the nurses load him on a gurney. They give him oxygen, trying to wake him up, but it doesn't work. Dr. Cox goes into full-swing problem-solving mode, and he starts thinking about all the reasons why a seemingly healthy young man would just pass out for no reason. He started thinking about all the clues. He noticed that JD had bags under his eyes. He had been a little more... I guess anxious. He had a shorter temper recently. And then he just concluded that JD had been overworked, like most doctors were. Okay. So it, it was it's a logical conclusion. Yeah. It was attributed to the high stress job. He was overworked and yeah, seemingly nothing wrong. Right. JD starts to wake up and he hears Bambi, someone calling him Bambi. So it's Carla. Mm-hmm. That was Carla's nickname for him. She gave him that, I think, on the first episode. He kind of wakes up and he sees everyone standing there. Dr. Cox sees that he's awake, looks at him, and then walks out. Mm-hmm. He's in full dad mode. He's in full daddy Dr. Cox mode. Yes, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yes. about. Yes. So they tell him he's going to stay in the hospital until they're done running tests, and he doesn't really like it because he doesn't want them to know that medically there's something wrong with him. Okay. So he starts thinking about all the things that could be wrong with him. He starts thinking that, oh, they're going to know that my electrolytes level are, is low. They're going to know that my iron level is low. Because he's know a doctor. He's familiar low. with all of this stuff that could, like, he's aware of, like, the, the, the breadcrumb trail that he's yes. left to his, yes. his diagnosis. Yeah. And it starts getting to the point, I don't remember if it was this point, but it was just one of those things where he starts realizing, like, oh, they're going to know, and then they're going to expect me to talk to them about my problems, and I don't want to. Mm. He so, doesn't want to, or he's, like, afraid to? He's afraid to. Okay. That's yeah. A, yeah. So there's just one quote that I thought was good. You know we can't let you keep treating patients without knowing what's wrong, and you hit your head pretty hard too, said Carla, using her, you better do what I say or else, strong Latina mom voice. You're not going anywhere. He knew it was no use to argue. Mm-hmm. So it was weird. It, Carla was almost like his mom, and Dr. Cox was almost like his dad, mm-hmm. but Carla married his best friend. Your they, mom's not married to your best friend? No. My no. dad's my best friend. That's nice. That's very wholesome. A little sad, but wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> So they all gave him words of encouragement and, you know, said feel better. And then they all had to go back to work. So then he was kind of left alone with himself again. Okay. And then he kind of took stock of what was on around, going on around him. And he realized he had an IV in. And he traced the, you know, the line all the way up to a bag. And he basically said, like, shit, they're probably giving me glucose. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want it. He didn't want the nourishment. He didn't want the IV. So Interesting. I wonder if that, like... You know how they say like doctors are the worst patients. Yeah. If this condition is is only exacerbated by his knowledge of it, because if somebody with this condition wasn't aware of yeah. what that IV bag was, they might not connect those two dots. Exactly. But he's aware of like this is a rep a, a supplement. This is something yes. that's giving me essentially food that my yeah. body's rejecting. It's hydrating me. It's giving me blood sugar. It's giving me electrolytes, and I don't want them. Interesting. And so he like he doesn't take it out, but he, he considers it's, it's, it's it. It's a lot more of like an intellectualized yeah. manifestation. You know, he's yeah. like actively searching for it and thinking about it. Yeah, interesting. So he's in the the hospital room by himself, and the door swings over, and it's Elliot. 
and he goes, hey, Elliot, Elliot, he said, imitating the voice of E.T., trying to appear to be in good spirits, mm-hmm. which is something he would likely do. It's a very J.D. thing to do. Something that a lot of like people who are lighthearted, who are actually suffering, yeah. would try to do, just yeah. kind of cast away the, the, the suspicions. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, you know, you'd take away the subject of you not feeling well, and you would replace it with Ah, just silly old and, uh, yeah. Elliot, sure. Yeah, oh, I'm just overworked. No worry, you know. No reason mm-hmm. to worry about it. Mm-hmm. So she kind of hits him with a JD. We have to talk. So he gets really nervous, and he's kind of like, "Well, what do we? What do you want to talk about? What's going on?" And she just says, "I understand you're overworked. You have to set limits for yourself." And he says, "We'll do." And he thinks he's kind of gotten away with it. Well, I mean, if anyone's going to have this talk, it's Elliot because she she battles with that throughout the, exactly. the show and the series. Yes, she battles with something very similar, being overworked. And at one point, I think she also starts taking pills to stay awake, mm-hmm. doesn't she? Like caffeine pills. Yeah, the caffeine pills. Mm-hmm. And we're, I'm talking about this, making it really heavy. If you've never seen Scrubs, I promise you it's a lot more lighthearted than this. Like, they deal... That's that, the reason... That caffeine pill episode is pretty funny. It's so good. But, like, the thing is, is they, they'll sit there and they'll deal with Elliot getting addicted to these caffeine pills to work or... Mm-hmm. They have Just, a lot of plot lines, yeah. too, so there's other things happening. Well, it's like a nine-season show, including mm-hmm. med school. I'm sorry, like, within episodes. They have various, oh, yeah. like, levels yeah. and storylines. But I think it's just the fact that they could look at something light in a lighthearted way mm-hmm. that is so serious, but still seem to hit it right on the nose. Mm-hmm. And Address think, it fully and with respect. Yes. I think that's why the show is so good. That's what we're trying to do right and now. And that's that's what I'm trying to do with this. I'm trying to mm-hmm. read it the right I hope it's not coming across as disrespectful. If it is, for anyone who's dealt with those issues, I do apologize. Mm-hmm. I'm not very familiar with those issues, so mm-hmm. I'm doing my best no, here. Neither am I. Neither am I. Yeah. So then, he said, or so then it's written, his chest tightened with familiar guilt. Your patients rely on you, J.D. You're letting everybody down. So that's what he's thinking to himself. Maybe he really should stop. For some reason, this thought scared him more than any of the others. He had never challenged the voice that told him not to eat something or to eat everything in sight or to go into the bathroom and stick his fingers down his throat. He constantly told himself that this was his own little experiment and he could stop whenever he wanted. However, just the thought of eating normally made his blood go cold. Why? So Elliot says she just wants him to be healthy and she leaves the room. That's the end of that chapter. Mm. End of chapter two. So chapter three is called Do No Harm. So JD changes back into the scrubs. Uh, He's released from the hospital it was about midnight, and they just give him, like, a bottle of iron tablets because they think he's anemic uh, just from being overworked. And they're like, hey, take these, and, you know, hopefully you'll feel better. Uh, he didn't like being treated like a patient. He, he, he hated being treated like a patient, and so that whole ordeal really angered him. Sure. So he kind of sits there, and he goes, all right, well, I'm just going to go home. So he jumps on his scooter and he pulls away. Oh, boy, this isn't good. You yeah. don't want to be on a scooter in a, in a bad no. disposition. Yeah, and the only thing he wanted was to go home and talk to Turk. He didn't want to talk to him about his problems. He just wanted to talk to Turk to relax, Yeah, just to relieve some stress. Okay. So he's, while he's pulling out, he actually has a daydream of a semi-truck hitting him on his scooter mm-hmm. and just flattening him. But obviously that doesn't happen. And on his way home, he sees the bright neon lights of a Wendy's and pulls in. So this is the little exchange at the Wendy's. Hi, welcome to Wendy's. What can I get you? He squinted at the sign, his stomach rallying. What was he doing here? Yeah, can I get two number eights, a number 10, and a three Frosties, please? Oh, and can I get an extra order of fries? Medium or large, sir? Um, all large. Any sauces for the nuggets? Yeah, all of them. Next window, please. So he orders a lot. That is a lot. He crams it onto Sasha, his scooter. Mm-hmm. He named his scooter Sasha. I remember now. Yeah. And he drives away. 
And then it says minutes later, he was bent over the dirty toilet bowl at a gas station. Wow. So while he was driving, he ate it all, and then he decided to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was written, I don't want to say well, but I thought the wording here was very strong, Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to to include it. His his own vomit coated the first two fingers of his right hand, and the knuckles showed red where his teeth had dug into them. Uh, That's extremely graphic. That's something that's that's a very evocative image. Yeah, it was it was strong. It was a powerful imagery, and that's Mm -hmm. why I wanted to include it. A little Mm -hmm. serious, but I wanted to include it. Mm -hmm. So, as that was happening, it's kind of described that he regretted getting the food, and he just wanted to go home. So he, he made his way home, and he went to bed. And then this is written, he dreamt that his legs were weak and could not hold his weight, and everyone around him was telling him to just get up and walk. Eventually, they left him behind, one by one, until he was alone. He woke in a panicky sweat, shivering and shaking. His entire body was soaking wet, and his abdomen hurt him so badly he thought he might throw up. Mm -hmm. He felt panicked and powerless. Was he dying? Turk! There was no answer. Turk! Carla! The apartment was silent. He screwed up his eyes against the pain, shouting out as another wave came shooting through his body. He angled his body awkwardly so he could see the clock on the table next to his bed. 5.56 a.m. Of course. Turk and Carla both worked the 6 a.m. shift on Thursdays. He was alone in the apartment. However, frequently he imagined dying in his sleep or in a car crash. He felt nothing but panic at the feeling he had now. If this was really the end, he definitely believed it could be. He hadn't felt pain like this before. This was too real for him. J.D. preferred fantasy over reality at times like this. Wouldn't this be so much easier if he were in control, if this were a sitcom and there was a laugh track? Hmm. So that was written by the author. I think that was that little metaphor at the beginning about having no legs and just being told to walk. I think that was... Right. I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to understand that. I'm trying to understand like how somebody who deals with this affliction yeah. would you know, simultaneously... Because like, it's like they're... They are weak and they know it and they, yeah. they're, re- they're rejecting getting rid of this nourishment. They don't want this nourishment, but they also have that fear that they won't be able to. Well, I think, I think the legs metaphor doesn't, isn't directly reflected upon the, the eating issues that he's having. Mm-hmm. I think the legs metaphor is actually a metaphor for the reasons why he has the eating issues. So he's feeling all of these feelings of, you know, you know, dealing with the pain and dealing with the issues of being a doctor, working the long hours. And everyone else seems to have it together. Yeah. And he's being left behind. Exactly. And so he's struggling with this so much, he can't just move on from a patient dying. He right. can't just move on from putting all mm-hmm. of his energy into helping someone and that person not getting better. Or that person... So that, he's stuck in something in the past. He's this, yes. This vessel that he's in yes. is immobilized. Exactly. Okay. And so I think the leg dream is almost... What he would feel like if he talked to someone about it. Like, they wouldn't get it. they just tell me to stand up. Mm-hmm. But I don't have legs. Okay. Which I, I don't know. That kind of hit me. Mm-hmm. That kind of hit me in a way that I think, I don't, I think, I, I'll say tonally, I think this piece is a lot more serious than Scrubs. It's a lot darker than Scrubs. Sure, yeah. But it felt like a storyline that could have been in Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Where yes. they tie it to a metaphor to yes. make it understandable. And maybe not um, for J.D., I would honestly say this would be more of an Elliot thing way before a JD Probably. thing. Probably. But it's interesting that they they went with uh, with J. Well, cuz we we normally we normally associate this this disease but bulimia with yes. with people who have body issue images yeah. or women who are subjected to, you know, all the expectations of being thin and beautiful. Yeah. 
So I think I think it was a good choice to pick JD, especially since later in the piece it gets into the relationship between JD and Dr. Cox. Okay, yeah, please. please. And that like I said, that's such an interesting relationship, mm-hmm. something that needs to be explored. Okay. So he starts to panic a little bit. The room starts to spin. He starts coughing, and he looks down, and it's blood. Oof. So he starts coughing up blood. He knew he needed to get to the hospital, but he refused to call an ambulance for himself because he didn't want to be the person that called the ambulance for himself. <laughs> so he realized he couldn't call any of his friends. He stumbles to the phone, and he calls Dr. Cox. Mm. Dr. Cox says, well, hello, Martha. J.D. cringed, partly with pain. Partly at Dr. Cox calling him a girl's name. Sometimes he didn't care. Sometimes it made him angry. Mostly, it just hurt. But he would never admit that. I need a ride to the hospital. He knew his breath sounded labored and his voice was weak. Dr. Cox's tone changed immediately to one of concern, which surprised him. He didn't think he had ever heard Dr. Cox sound so worried. What's going on, newbie? What's wrong? I just need a ride. Can you come get me? He would answer any questions when Dr. Cox got there. Right now, he just wanted to be rid of the terrible coldness in his chest. Mm. I'm on my way. Click. In silence, J.D. was alone, the pain in his abdomen immobilizing him as he lay and stared at the dark ceiling. He felt scared and panicky, and his heart was nearly pounding out of his chest. He was terrified. But it was more than that. For the first time in a long time, he realized he didn't want to die. He said it out loud to himself softly. I don't want to die. Mm. End of chapter three. That's, in, that's for someone in that headspace. That's a that's a very important place to get to. Yes, where you vocalize it. Yeah, and it's like a realization. You may have not noticed that you like I want to die. It mm-hmm. may have just been something that was in, informed your actions. Yeah, but to have recognize what you're doing is harming yourself and saying out loud. That's a really important but very scary time. Exactly, because you realize that. And there's a a, a definitely panicking moment there's a a moment there where you realize i've been thinking this way for this long and Mm -hmm. then you get scared at that Mm -hmm. like why would i ever think this way yeah so like you said it's big that he would admit that you realize how long you've been riding that razor's edge and like you didn't know you didn't recognize your actions as that dangerous yeah and then you're like oh wow this could have happened at any time yes so his eating issues in this are more of a root of instead of coming from a place of having a body image issue Mm -hmm. it's a self-care issue Interesting. Where he's almost rejecting the nourishment, rejecting food because he feels so torn up about these things. Okay. Because there are other people who are dead because of him. Hmm. He doesn't feel like he deserves to eat. Wow. I'm sure, I mean, it manifests in a hundred million different oh, ways. Oh, exactly. So yeah. That's, that's an interesting one. Yeah. So chapter four is called Mind and Body. Dr. Cox got to the apartment in 10 minutes. He ran into JD's room to see him sitting on the floor, leaning against the bed. His head was rolled back and his eyes were fluttering. He started to think about how J.D. passed out in the hospital, and he panicked. He tried to wake J.D., but it didn't work. So he called Sacred Heart immediately, which is the name of the hospital they work at, and he asked for an ambulance, informed them that he was a doctor, and then hung up. This is a a quote from it. As his fingers flittered over J.D.'s head, around his shoulders and chest, he realized he could feel every bone, every rib beneath the kid's thin t-shirt. His arms were so skinny that Dr. Cox could wrap his hand completely around them. He cut the shirt away and was horrified at what he saw. A skeletal figure lay before him, the skin pale and paper thin. J.D.'s collarbone stood out starkly, and his hip bones were prominent above the waistline of his scrub bottoms. J.D.'s stomach, however, was distended, swollen, and bruised. So he was immediately concerned, and he started thinking why he would be so skinny and have the distended stomach, and then he realized he's probably bleeding internally, Oof. which is 
Yeah, that makes total sense that that would happen. And the issue is he realizes there's absolutely nothing he can do about the internal bleeding. Well, I mean, right there. there yeah, right there. then and there. Yeah. And so Dr. Cox, who can save everybody, help anybody, he's the best doctor in he's the hospital. He's again feeling helpless for the second time. He's feeling helpless again because someone who he actually cares a lot about, even though he says he doesn't, mm-hmm. he can't help him. Mm-hmm. He just All he can do is sit there and wait for an ambulance. And that really scares Dr. Cox. Well, I mean, it's interesting because as a doctor, he probably dissociates himself from that but pretty much every single person he sees has had that feeling yes and he's probably never been able to empathize yeah. with them or sympathize exactly but now he's been able to sympathize because he's gone through that and that he situation. would and dr cox as a character wouldn't like that he'd be able to sympathize or empathize mm-hmm. he wants to feel it helps him to feel dead when he, when he yeah. makes decisions and calls and everything to yeah. feel separate yeah to feel deadpan to have no connection to it Suddenly, J.D. started to stir softly. Oh, well, Dr. Cox realizes, okay, he has an eating disorder. He has an eating problem. Okay. So suddenly, J.D. started to stir, moaning softly. J.D., do you know where you are? Perry. Then he was out again. That's Dr. Cox's first name. Mm -hmm. Dr. Cox stroked J.D.'s hollow cheek softly. He smiled a little to think how J.D. would react if he knew he was doing this. He should have given the kid the hug he wanted so badly years ago. What have you done to yourself, J.D.? They cut to the hospital. Elliot rushes in and immediately confronts Dr. Cox. It was her day off, but she doesn't care. I've always wondered, so, like, can any of them, like, operate on him? Because they know him. They have, like, a, a, there's, like, you can't, like, operate on someone you're related to. Is there anything like that in the the, the Hippocratic Oath? I don't think so. Okay. Quite honestly, I think if there is a conflict of interest, it's up to the, the surgeon's discretion to say, like, you know, I can't do this. They have the right of refusal. Yeah, especially since with a lot of doctors, you know, if you imagine someone you've been going to for years, you almost develop a friendship with them sure. or at least some sort of a mutual, you know, yeah, respect yeah. for each other, yeah, some sort of relationship. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was it's, always thinking it, of that, um, that. Imagine imagine like an OBGYN. You're seeing a woman for at least six months mm-hmm. and then you have to do an operation on her. You have mm-hmm. to – if you're doing like a, um, a C-section. Sure. So – it would make sense that you, you know, the Naturally friends. Have it, yeah. yeah. I mean, but if they're this close, I mean, they're, yeah. like, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, in the show, Turk removes his appendix. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, there's I there's the joke that, episode, that, that Turk is the only man that's ever been inside of JD. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry if we're, like, totally butchering all this healthcare professionals that are listening. If there are any. I know, like, next yeah. to nothing. I have gotten a basic EMT certification and then realized I am not good for the medical profession. <laughs> so I'm that's good. about as far as it goes for me. Elliot burst in. It's her day off. She has a million questions. Dr. Cox goes, okay, you definitely need to stop squeaking like a little chipmunk, or I swear to God, I will get security to escort you out. To his surprise, she was unfazed. She took a deep breath, looked him right in the eye, and spoke slowly and pointedly, tell me what happened now. Taken aback, he quickly explained how he found JD and that he was in surgery. So I I included that because that was a big moment for Elliot. Yeah, she has those throughout the show where she kind of... Because no one really takes her seriously, but no. she is this really accomplished and yeah. like, intelligent. I believe she's an internist by the end of the the, the show, an internist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, specializing with like internal medicine and everything. And she has, in the very beginning, a lot of moments where even she believes she's this little weak, whatever. And she's one of the more like, quote unquote, privileged people. She comes from a really nice family with a lot mm-hmm. of money. And so that's one of the things where she kind of has to prove that like she's not just there because she's privileged or pretty or whatever mm-hmm. like she is actually a good doctor right. and she likes doctor she lets dr cox intimidate her all the time mm-hmm. so the fact that she would stand up to him is is big yeah yeah big so i like well, that it's moment a, it's an important moment they're all very concerned yeah and mm-hmm. 
put away her anxieties, put away her fears, and is like, you need to tell me what's happening right now. I'm not scared of you. Mm -hmm. I care about this person. Right. So Elliot began to cry. Dr. Cox didn't want to be around it. And he decided that he would go to the surgery to, like, watch the surgery. Because mm. I don't think that's something you can actually do in a hospital. But in the show, they would watch people do surgery they have like a, a they lot. Have a, they have, like, a theater, right? Uh, it depends. I think if it depends like on a, the hospital. If it's like a well, it's a teaching hospital, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they might have the facilities for that. Yeah. So, Dr. Cox decides he's going to go watch it. And Elliot just decides to join him. And then he gets really, you know, annoyed at that. But they go. And when they get there, Carla is already there. And she's basically just crying. Mm-hmm. Like, cause she's watching it and Turk is doing the surgery. Oh, okay. Yeah. So one of the, the quote is Dr. Cox's eyes fell on the operating table. He wanted to look away, but he couldn't take his eyes off that pale face. JD was always talking, laughing, working. Now he was still pale and cold. He didn't look alive. So then we find out that JD had a tear in his esophagus and that's why he had the internal bleeding. Right. Turk says he's going to be okay. Then they all sort of go in their heads, the friends that, their signs were so obvious for weeks, but they were so caught up with themselves to even notice it. You know, they were caught up with their jobs, caught up with their own things. Sure. And then they felt awful because they didn't notice that JD, you know, was doing this to himself. Mm-hmm. Having, you know, having experience with friends that I know that mm-hmm. had uh, eating problems or, you know, mental illness problems, that's a very real situation I've been in personally mm-hmm. where you kind of sit there and you're like, man, I had all these signs. And I was too stupid. You know, you start thinking things like that. Like, I was too stupid to realize it. Right. It's I almost was, like a survivor's guilt. Yeah. Thing to do. Yeah. I was so selfish that I was caught up with all these things sure. that I couldn't just take five minutes to really think about what's going on with this person. Right. Yeah. So. But, I, I mean, it's, it, the best you can do if you do take five minutes and recognize it is not like take it upon yourself to be like, I'm going to fix yeah. you. Like, you can't no. fix. So you, the only thing you could ever do if you recognize it is, you know, refer them to yeah. a professional. Exactly. So. No, you should never take that on yourself. Yeah. It's not like, oh, wow, I could have stopped this. person. This. No. That's, I mean, that's something that you naturally no. feel, but yeah. it's, you have to be like, I mean, this is a, this is a thing that's beyond my capabilities. Exactly. The, I mean, in a hospital, it's a little different because, you know, they're doctors, they're they have doctors. therapists. Those there. are the professionals. Those yeah. are the professionals. So they might have a little more guilt than someone like me yeah yeah a little more responsibility mm-hmm. which to, makes, makes makes for a more interesting story exactly sure. yeah that they're they can help everybody else but they can't help their best friend right so that adds to the the stakes adds to the drama sure yeah after they have their little moment there's a jump in time and jd wakes up in the callahan rehabilitation center for eating disorders so they sent him to a special facility to deal with this. Where does Scrubs take place? California. Okay. That's it's what undisclosed, I but it's basically California. That's what I thought. Yeah. So when he wakes up, he kind of realizes this is rock bottom. And it's rock bottom for him because he realizes that he hurt his friends. And that's what really starts to get to that's, him. Um, that's, that's another common thing for it's yeah. like you don't want your – you have such a low opinion of yourself, that, but you don't want it to affect anybody else. And yeah. as soon as it does, that's where – that's like the only way you can kind of – realize it's time to take action yeah but through the hopefully through the therapeutic process you learn that you should be taking care of yourself first yes yeah yes that's interesting yes and so then he while he's in there he reflects back to when he woke up after the surgery mm-hmm. so it's, it's a interesting jump sure. an interesting decision to yep. do the jump like they did they asked him gently or he asked them gently what had happened uh he was tired he was tired of lying tired of caring tired of living like this mm-hmm. so he told them he told them matter-of-factly that he threw up sometimes he was stressed, tired. He knew it was terrible, and he shouldn't. He wouldn't do it anymore. He could tell they didn't believe him. He didn't blame them. He wanted to disappear. Mm-hmm. JD realizes that Dr. Cox wasn't there when he woke up, which really hurt him. And then he started thinking about how his friends called him sick, 
They're like, JD, you know, you're sick. You need some help. And he started thinking about how much he resented them for that, thinking that he wasn't sick, that he helps sick people, and mm-hmm. he's not sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While he's kind of reminiscing through all this, there's a knock on the door, and this woman walks in, and she informs that she's going to put an IV in him. And when she starts to explain what it is, he cuts her off, and he goes, I know what an IV is. I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. She goes, oh, okay. And then she goes to put it in, and as she's putting it in, she misses the first time, and mm-hmm. he thinks Carla wouldn't have missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's he's, just he's getting snappy. He's, yeah. yeah, and he feels bad about it, but then he realizes he doesn't have any desire to make up for snapping at her. Like mm-hmm. he just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So then it's explained that his friends visit him a lot. Like you know, Elliot visits a ton. Turk tries to, but it's hard for him. Doctor Cox never does. Right, and he starts to gain weight, and he feels horrible about it. He doesn't want to gain the weight. Mm. It's one of the things where you kind of realize that addressing the um, the symptom doesn't actually cure the the cause. Yeah, there's a root cause that yes. they're not. It's, oh, this guy's this guy's has an eating disorder. Emaciated. Let's yeah. yeah, fill him up. But yeah, and that's not the reason why he's. I, I, again, like I said, this is really heavy. It's really, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot. Right, but it's I, like uh, it's like it's like fixing a leak further down the line, but that's actually where the pump is that the pressure exactly. starts to build up. Yeah. And so because he's there for weeks and they're just kind of addressing the bulimia, they're not really addressing the root cause of the whole thing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, He attempts to take his own life. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it doesn't work. There's a quote where it says, just let me sleep, he mumbled. Then his eyes closed and he was dreaming about his mother and the sun warming his face. He dreamt about Turk laughing and Dr. Cox's sharp blue eyes. Not angry, but intense. He felt warm and safe. Then he woke up. Mm. So it didn't it didn't work. Wow. It didn't work. Wow. That's the end of the chapter. Wow. Yeah. Chapter five, the aftermath. He woke up to unfamiliar whispering voice, but was eventually recognized that it was the voice of the nurse who first tried to give him the IV. He kind of realizes, he remembers what he did, and he's embarrassed, and he's anxious, and this all just kind of adds towards the negative emotions that he was feeling this whole time. Mm-hmm. And then he was disappointed that it didn't work because he was so embarrassed and because mm-hmm. of all that. And then he realized he was never going to be the same person, and everyone's going to know that he did this, right. and everyone's going to treat him differently now, mm. which is also, like, I don't know. There's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack there. And so he starts looking around for any sharp objects. He's and, by himself. He wakes yes, up by himself. Yeah. And he realizes they were all taken out of the room. Right. And then he just says, okay, I'll just starve myself then. Mm. I'll just go back to what I was doing before. Wow. Yeah. So then here's a, another quote from the, the piece. There always seemed to be someone by his bedside. He suspected Carla had made up a schedule of some kind, like when Dr. Cox lost three patients and spent a week drinking himself into a stupor. When it wasn't one of his friends, it was his brother or one of the nurses or an orderly. So Carla, who's, you know, Mama Carla, kind of takes it upon herself to take care of him. Right. Rightfully so. I mean, that's the correct action to take. Of course. And that's that's a great callback to the show where – Dr. Cox gets really, really... Oh, they mentioned, they yeah. just mentioned it. Yeah. yeah. I, think get... I, I think I do remember that, yeah. that episode. If I remember correctly, I think the patient that... He had, he was treating a patient. He didn't know why they were feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it, oh, my God. I just remember that that, that character, she, um, she was a reoccurring character, and she was one that they were all annoyed to treat. So Dr. Cox wasn't giving her the right treatment. Oh, right. And then I think they found out she had rabies, right? I don't remember. I know I do remember there being like an annoying one that they yeah. kind of, and then she ended up passing away. Yeah, she right? ended up dying. Maybe that maybe that was someone else. But I think I think what it was the person had rabies and they died, but mm-hmm. they didn't realize that the person had rabies, so they did transplants. Oh, like organ yeah, you transplants. Can't do that. And they didn't know any better. And then he lost all the other patients. 
And so he just shut down. Oh, I see what you're saying. They did transplants from the, the yes. patient who passed away. Oh, okay. Yes. And so Dr. Cox wow, lost yeah. all these patients Jeez. at once, and he shut down. Hmm. Yeah. And they, they had a schedule that where they would yeah. visit him, and he would just sit there motionless and drinking. Hmm. Yeah. That's, again, powerful. See, like, if you've seen Scrubs, mm-hmm. maybe we're over-dramatizing dra- it, making mm-hmm. it more dramatic than it should be. But w- sitting here explaining it, I think you can understand why I would see that this storyline could be something that would happen right. in Scrubs. Because mm-hmm. it's just, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very, very unique show. It's very uniquely deals with these things. So here is when Turk visits him for the first time, which is actually a few weeks into... This rotation. Yes. So it took Turk a while. JD looked down at the pizza. Turk visits, he has a pizza in one hand and a DVD of Family Matters in the other. And he's ready just to kick it like old times. JD looked down at the pizza, then he looked back up at Turk. He was embarrassed to feel tears welling up in his eyes, but he couldn't swallow the lump in his throat. I I can't do it, Turk. I can't do it anymore. Turk leaned forward, looking right back at JD without wavering. Yes, you can. I'm tired, Turk. I'm tired. I say it all the time, but no one hears it. No one understands. So you're tired. I get that, man. I do. But that's why you're here. We get it, JD. We want to help. He took a deep breath. I know you're tired, JD, but you just got to keep trying. You just got to keep showing up, man. I, I don't know if it'll get any easier. I really don't, but it's worth it, isn't it? And I know you're strong enough, JD. I know that. Am I, Turk? JD felt an anger flare up in his chest. Because for some reason, I don't feel that strong right now. He raised his arms once more before letting them fall back down to the bed heavily. That I didn't want to get into that scene, mm-hmm. but that's how he attempted to take his own life. It's a okay. sharp object, yeah. Okay. So he raised his, his arms sure. to show, like, Turk, I yeah, don't I'm, feel so mm-hmm. strong. You know what, J.D.? You're going to have to be. Why? They were both nearly yelling now. Because we need you, J.D. We need you, man. Don't you get that? Turk had been standing, but now he sat back down heavily, burying his face in his hands. We need you, we need you, J.D. I need you, man. Come on. His voice was quiet and muffled behind his hands. When he finally removed his hands from his face, J.D. could see his cheeks were wet with tears. J.D. tried to speak, but the words would not come. Turk t- took a deep breath, covering his face with, face with his hands once more. He took several more deep breaths, his shoulders shaking with silent sobs. J.D. had never seen Turk like this. After another minute, Turk looked up at him, his eyes red. It struck J.D. how tired he looked. J.D., you have to try. I know you're tired, I know that, but you're my best friend, J.D., and I don't think I could take it if I lost you, man. I don't think... I don't think I could take it. So I, I wanted, I know that was a little long. I want to include that whole exchange mm-hmm. because their relationship is so unique. And that just felt, that felt real to me. That felt like what it would have been. Yeah. Because they're kind of just like, like you say, he shows up thinking it's just time to kick it. Yeah. And then he kind of gets slapped with a face that, you know, thinks this relationship has changed. You yes. Know, it's time for it to have, at least have a mature moment. Yes. I know things can never be the same again, but they, like he, he he's needed in a different way now. Yes. And I, I think, especially if you're a guy, just because the way we're conditioned, the way that we're programmed the way we are mm-hmm. just in general it's a lot less frequent that we'll take the time to tell our other guy friends that we appreciate them yeah. or that we need them or that you know um life would be harder without them mm-hmm. and so i think turk and jd are definitely in that too they're silly they're goofy they're funny they you know they do all these crazy things mm-hmm. but how often do you as have a, a genuine moment exactly and those are tough Especially if you're not used to them, especially if that's not something that's a part of your relationship. Those are like tough, tough moments. So it feels like that would have been a big emotional moment that would have happened in the show. So JD wanted to hug his friend, but he couldn't get out of bed. They both relaxed and they expressed that they just wanted things to be okay. Turk put in the DVD of Family Matters and 30 minutes later, he saw JD grab for a small slice of pizza. JD 
you know, could obviously tell was wrestling with the idea of eating it, but then took a bite. Hmm. So that was kind of a moment where he was kind of slapped. They're both, the... they're both extending themselves. They're both yes. trying. Yeah. And JD kind of realized like, all right, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to start small with this one piece of pizza and it's probably going to suck, but mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And then here's a, a quote. Todd Laverne, even Dr. Kelso had visited the kid, if only to make sure he wasn't going to sue the hospital, which is a very Dr. Kelso thing to do. He was in charge of the hospital. But Dr. Cox couldn't bring himself to go. He couldn't explain why, but he felt betrayed somehow and awkward and scared. Mm -hmm. But he would never tell anyone that, not even Carla, who bugged him day and night about going to see J.D. J.D. had tried to kill himself. From what Dr. Dr. Cox heard, he almost succeeded. How could he do that? How could he do that to me? He was a good doctor. The best Dr. Cox had seen in a long time, but he broke. Mm-hmm. How many times had Dr. Cox almost broken? But he pulled himself back every time. Every time? Well, almost every time. He pushed the thought away and reached for the next patient chart. So Dr. Cox just throws himself into his work so he doesn't have to deal with this problem. Mm-hmm. So chapter that's the end of chapter five. Chapter six is called Are You Drunk? It had been a month since the incident, and J.D. managed to let the rehabilitation center basically put him on, like, a day rotation. Mm-hmm. So he would go back to the apartment at night with Turk and Carla, and during the day, he'd stay at the rehabilitation center. And it was the first, like, this this scene takes place the first night that he was left alone. So this is, like, a month or two after he's put on that day rotation. Okay. And Turk and Carla are both at work, Elliot's at work, and he's kind of on his own. Mm-hmm. And he still wasn't allowed back in the hospital. How, how, I'm sorry, again, how long is this after he's released that he's now on his own? Uh, it's like a couple months, couple weeks. A couple months, okay. Yeah. It's the first time. And he's doing better. He's definitely doing better. There's no question of like whether or not he'd endanger himself. Mm-hmm. There is this one moment where he's kind of sitting there and he's heating up like this microwave meal and he's thinking like, do I even want to eat this? And then he kind of says like, no, I have to. So he eats it and then he plops on the couch and he's ready just to kind of like watch TV and fall asleep. But then mm-hmm. he, there's a knock at the door and this is, this is written, you know, from the piece. JD, JD, you there? It was Dr. Cox. JD's jaw dropped and he sat unmoving for a second, shocked. So Dr. Cox hadn't seen him in weeks or months at this point. Mm-hmm. JD, open up. JD shook himself then made his way over to the door and opened it cautiously. There stood Dr. Cox, swaying slightly. His eyes were red. Are you drunk? It was a question, but J.D. knew the answer already. He had seen it before. He felt a stab of worry and fear. He hadn't seen Dr. Cox in over three months. Why was he here now, stumbling drunk? Maybe, said Dr. Cox. He swayed dangerously again, and J.D. reached out intuitively to grab his, his arm and steady him. To his surprise, Dr. Cox reached up with his other hand and laid it over J.D.'s. J.D., I wanted, I, Dr. Cox, what are you doing here? J.D. wanted to help, but he couldn't quell the anger he felt. They had all been there. They had all cared, except for him. So J.D. is angry at Dr. Cox. And he doesn't get angry at Dr. Cox very often Mm -hmm. in the show. But he feels let down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I really needed you. And like I said, Dr. Cox is almost a father figure. If I remember correctly, he has almost a non-existent relationship with his father, doesn't he? Not that I I don't remember anything about that, no. So Dr. Cox kind of, he needed him, and he wasn't there. So Dr. Cox stood there for silently a few minutes and started to apologize, saying that he just couldn't do it. And so then it says, you couldn't do what? It was strange. Dr. Cox was always the strong one. Angry, but sure of himself. A sudden image of Dr. Cox in a jester costume coming before King J.D. to beg forgiveness came into his head. But that wasn't what was happening here. He suddenly felt great empathy for the man standing before him. It takes a lot of bravery to admit fault, especially for Dr. Cox. The jester hat became a knight's helmet. He could see Dr. Cox starting to speak, but cut him off. He found he didn't need to hear what he had been hoping to hear for the past month. That Dr. Cox was sorry. That he cared about J.D. Loved him, even. He stood aside. 
So Dr. Cox just brings him into the apartment, sets him on the couch, and they just sit there awkwardly. And J.D. offers him coffee. Dr. Cox refuses and says, J.D., I've seen hundreds of interns come through this place. To be honest with you, I don't remember most of their names. Now, that's not to say there weren't some good doctors over the years. There were, but you were different. Do you know why I pushed you there, newbie? J.D. shook his head, though he thought he might know the answer. He wasn't sure whether or not he wanted to hear what he thought Dr. Cox was going to say. He wasn't sure he would be able to believe Dr. Cox, even if he told him that he was a great doctor. Dr. Cox looked at him straight in the eye, because I saw how much you cared. I saw you working your ass off, even when you thought no one was looking. I saw you agonizing over every little decision, not because you were afraid you might get in trouble, but because you wouldn't be able to live with yourself if you did the wrong thing. It reminded me. It reminded me of what medicine used to mean. I used to be that way too, and somewhere along the line, I think I lost that a little, and you brought it back. I'm invested in you, JD. You must know that, right? Damn it, I might even care about you. And what you did, that hurt. His eyes fell to JD's arms. JD didn't move. Then, JD said what he had been thinking every time one of his friends cried for him or looked at him with that look, that look that said, you hurt me. Well, you know what? Tough. Because this isn't about you or Elliot or Turk. This is about me. You think it hurt you? I've spent months, months in hell. I can't sleep. Everything I do is a battle. When I cross the road, I imagine being crushed by a truck, and part of me wants it to happen. When a patient comes in who doesn't make it, I envy them. I feel like nothing matters anymore. I'm not worth fighting for anymore. I just want to go. So Dr. Cox sits there silently, and you can tell that he's like fighting back tears. He tells J.D. that he knows what that feels like. Then he admits to swallowing half a bottle of sleeping pills after his divorce. Because he gets a divorce before the show starts. Right, right. And then you've, uh, the way it was written was that he wasn't even at the hospital yet, at Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. So no one at Sacred Heart even knew that he tried to do that. Mm-hmm. And then he says that he's still miserable, but he just kind of learned how to live with it. He doesn't want to die anymore, but he's just kind of moved on. Mm-hmm. Then he says, J.D., I didn't come before because, honestly, I didn't want to be reminded of, reminded of my own weakness. It was too real. It was like it was happening all over again. Only I was on the other side. It hurt me too, J.D. I know you've been hurting, but it hurt me too. So I was angry and tried to convince myself I didn't care, and I ran from it like I always do. But I couldn't stop seeing you that night when you were bleeding, and I couldn't help you. And I couldn't help you when you tried to starve yourself. So how could I help you value your own life? I, he took a deep breath. But I was wrong, newbie. My pride and my stubbornness. I was afraid to admit even to myself. His words were slurring together. I'm sorry. Dr. Cox looked up at J.D. almost pleadingly. J.D. had no words. Before he knew it, he had pulled Dr. Cox into a tight hug, and to his surprise, the older doctor did not pull away. After a few minutes, when they finally pulled apart, they sat in silence for a little while. J.D.'s thoughts were racing, but he felt good. He felt loved. That's the end of Chapter Mm 6. So, Chapter 7, Everything. Two pictures, two little pictures, but they told a million words worth of stories. So he sits there and he's looking at these two pictures. And the first one is of he and Turk at a baseball game. And he looks like he has a forced smile. His eyes are sunken and he can tell that he's not okay. And then the next picture is one from a week ago at a movie theater they went to. And he looked like he was actually smiling for the first time in a long time. His cheeks were fuller and he looked healthy. And then they kind of have this thing where he has the voice in his head again to, like, not eat or do something to hurt himself, and Mm. he just ignores it. Mm. And it says it's getting easier to do that nowadays. Mm. So he realized it was easier to eat and keep things down. He wasn't getting headaches or feeling dizzy anymore. He was sleeping better. He was laughing more. 
and he was finally allowed back at the hospital. So he's 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 practicing medicine again, mm-hmm. finally. Mm-hmm. And it's he, it's said that it was something that seemed impossible months before, but he's back. Dr. Cox seemingly went back to normal, but he didn't care. He knew that they had an understanding and that there was a solidarity between the two of them. And then the final little chapter is, it would take them time, the others, but Dr. Cox understood. And J.D. knew that he didn't respect him any less, that he would always be there to teach him or call him a girl's name and make him feel normal again. And that was everything. Mm. So that's the end of the story. So like I said, this was a lot more to me a piece about Dr. Cox and JD. Sure. Yeah, I think um, I'm not going to – I don't want to sit here and play like uh, no, you know, armchair yeah. psychologist yeah, no, or no, anything. No. But in terms of like the fan fiction itself, it definitely – it almost has like a, a fantasy version of, of someone going through this illness because yes. they have – that mentor who yeah. has had such a similar experience. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not, that doesn't happen. No. That doesn't happen. So, I, it's interesting because we talked about, like, when he's in the rehabilitation, he's trying to get the root cause. Yeah. Uh, his anxiety. They, I guess what he finds then is just someone to deal with it with, as yeah. opposed to, you know, I figured it out. I'm no longer anxious. But he's now yeah. living with it. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he has someone else that he can share that with. I think whenever I feel you know, like in a bad spot or in Mm -hmm. a bad place, Mm -hmm. it almost feels comforting to know that I'm not the only one that's ever felt that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of where JD ends up. Sure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he feels anxious. He feels hopeless. He feels like he can't help people the way he would want to. Mm -hmm. And when before he was dealing that by himself, he was dealing with that by hurting himself and by, you know, starving himself. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's there's almost comfort in knowing that you're not the only one going through that pain. You're right. not the only one experiencing that hardship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where it ends. And it's that's not a satisfying ending. That's not a satisfying conclusion. But I think that's a real conclusion. Right. Right. It is. But and again, like I think it's it it's um it is like a fantastical because it just yes. so, so happens that this yeah. person who's his oh, mentor also yeah. happens. But like, also, you know. he's in a very specific situation because a lot of people that go through these issues aren't all doctors. Right. You know what I mean? So it's it's. You're saying it's a it's a specific situation, a mm-hmm. fantastical situation that he got out of it because of this, but mm-hmm. it's also an uncommon situation, I mean, relatively they're, speaking. There are doctors deal with stress. And there are ton- all there's, the time. I know for a fact with like EMTs, if they see something traumatic, they're required to go to speak to someone, mm-hmm. or they're, they're supposed to. Yeah. I don't know if they're required to, depending there's, on whatever hospital you work for. Right? Yeah. Um, but theoretically speaking, they should be speaking to people. Mm-hmm. They're they're really, especially with hospitals, they're really starting to go into mental health more for their doctors, right? As yeah. much as you'd want, like a you know a soldier coming back to yes. be able to to deal yeah. with what they've seen, how they they've felt. You'd yeah. want that for your medical professional. Exactly. I know. I have some experience meeting people mm-hmm. who deal in those situations. Mm-hmm. I have family members that are nurses, trauma sure, nurses, sure. you know, long term care nurses, yeah. and just speaking with them. Mm-hmm. I think there there's a lot to be said there. Sure. And I'm probably the worst person to talk about it or say anything about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, and it's if we're talking again about like the fan fiction and everything, this this um this writer definitely captured like a lot of you know feelings so yeah. either they interviewed with someone or knew yeah. someone this is not something that you just i mean you know i'm not going to say it's like 100 percent accurate for everybody no. but it just it seems like this person really yeah. really had a respect yes for the situation yeah. and, and the the subjects that were yeah. handling maybe maybe the way i condensed it wasn't as good as in the piece or maybe it was good i don't know it's obviously a subjective opinion on how i condensed it mm-hmm. but i thought it, i thought the way that they wrote it was very sensitive very respectful it was very respectful yeah yeah um what do you think though i mean would you um yeah i mean i just think this is i'm glad you read it because it's you know we we do a lot of stories it's like ah, dicks yeah dicks. And, <laughs> like um, spongebob fuck bill clinton oh it's like oh funny but you know 
fan fiction can yeah. can also be just like a, it's a artistic outlet. Yes. As much as writing, and I mean, I've never written anything, but you know, as much as writing a story can yeah. be an outlet. Yeah. You get something down, or you share something, share an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot. There's a lot of that out there. Yeah. That we read, and we don't. We don't pick it. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought this story. I really appreciate that. I do because, like mm-hmm. I said, I, I if you're listening and you're thinking, why weren't there any sponge dicks in this one? Mm-hmm. Like I said, I it's mean, not for it's not for you. That's yeah, okay. I, I one weakness slash strength of this show, mm-hmm. I will I think I can fairly say that is that we don't do the same fic every week. We don't talk about the same thing every week because there's yeah. so, there's a lot of different things that come. There are yeah, and I've had people tell us, oh, I love your show, but I only listen to these episodes, like. And that's fine. Yeah. It's like, you know, if I were a listener and found the show, I probably wouldn't listen to the Harry Potter episodes. Totally honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. And so, you know, if you don't like Scrubs, yeah, I mean, I guess you probably wouldn't enjoy this episode. Maybe you would. Maybe you mm-hmm. like learning about Scrubs. Maybe you want to watch Scrubs now just to see how wrong I've talked about <laughs> it and be like, that's nothing like that, you Alex. Should, you should watch Scrubs. Though, I think you should. Honestly. It's a great show. Yeah, it's worth a watch. So like I said, I think one strength slash weakness is the fact that we're not doing the same thing every week. Right. And so I think, you know, this is a serious week. Mm-hmm. This is dealing with some heavy themes. I think this shows, you know, if we're doing the show in argument for fan fiction, I think this just gives another dimension. It gives another, you know, avenue. Look at what this can be. Look mm-hmm. at what this weird thing that people do online can be. Right. And it's not and it's it's kind of got that liberation of being kind of like a small thing that's posted to a community of yeah. like-minded people where it's not like you know, NBC, ABC wrote this episode yeah. and was like, this is the definitive episode yeah. on bulimia and mental health. This is like one person's contribution. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be that kind of individualistic thing. Exactly. And, you know, maybe the person that wrote this has, you know, dealt with some of these issues themselves. Or knows knows someone. Or knows someone, yeah. And maybe this was a wave that, you know, they love Scrubs. They like the characters. They understand that it can touch on those tones. And maybe it was a good way to deal with it for them Mm -hmm. was by writing this or thinking about it or discussing it. Mm -hmm. So I think there's positives in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean this genuinely. If you hear this and you're going through something like this, like, I mean, please... Please go try to see someone. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not the right person to talk to about this sort of thing. Right. Yeah. So um yeah, definitely. Um so there's like a lot there's a lot of resources. There's the um National Eating Disorder Association. Yeah. I was just looking up the the number. They have a they have a helpline. So if you or anyone you know yeah. is going through something like this, there's there's a, a, a number that you can reach them at. It's it's eight zero zero nine three one two two seven three. Um that's for the NIDA. National Eating Disorder Association, and then because uh, this touched on, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring yeah. it up. the um, The uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you or any of your friends, anyone you know, is are having thoughts like that or dealing with that, um, that number available twenty four hours is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Thank you, honestly. So I guess we'll 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 lock the door for the time being on this serious mm-hmm. conversation. I hope you like the fic at least. I hope you could at least appreciate what it was doing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's not Sponge Dicks. It's not fun Avengers Pokemon Go. It's it's a little more serious. Mm-hmm. But I, I I'm just trying to show George R. R. Martin because I know he listens to all of these. He hate listens. He, he hate, hate listens. listens to us. I'm just trying to show him that it's it, it can be more than characters hooking up in unfortunate ways. Mm-hmm. It can be more than Janitor and JD. Smut. It's a lot of that. Yeah, it is, there's, that's like ninety percent of it. <laughs> there's a ton of that. Yeah, 
I'm sorry if you didn't like this episode. I would genuinely appreciate feedback if mm-hmm. you actually do like something like this. That we would this wouldn't become a regular thing, but you know, yeah. I don't want to feel like I would be uninteresting to the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know what I mean, like. Yeah, I mean, and I, also, I don't want to like, turn people off by doing stories like this, right? Then you know, if you if you have an experience that you feel free to share, or, yeah. or you know, if this affected you in any way, I'm really curious to yeah. see how it did. And if, if for my own personal, if growth. we dealt with anything disrespectfully or in an insensitive manner, please let us know. Please, I, I genuinely want to, you know, not hurt anybody's feelings. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm here to do in the slightest. I found a fan fiction that I thought depicted scrubs in an accurate light and dealt with a very sensitive topic. What I felt, at least in a somewhat respectful or sensitive or understanding manner. Mm -hmm. So if we did something wrong, please let us know. Right. And please don't hate us for it. Yeah. I have forgiveness for we know not what we've done. We know not what we've done. To move on and try to be somewhat positive. This is like the worst segue ever. Well, I mean, I think that had a very, it had a positive ending. Yeah, it, it had did. an extremely yeah. positive ending. He, I mean, like I said, it wasn't a satisfying ending. He didn't, mm-hmm. you know, get better. But that's not how life works. And I think that's another thing that Scrubs does well. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't always work out and the way life this, does. And that's what this author has done yes, well as well. Yeah. exactly. But awful segue included. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about things we're stoked on at the moment, Ryan? Um, Are you stoked on anything right now? Sure. Um Right now, I'm I'm stoked on it's like my favorite podcast of all time, Reply All. I don't okay. know if you've ever heard. No, it. I, I legitimately haven't. So. It's it's a it's like a, a a larger podcast from a Gimlet Media. Okay, um, and it's PJ and Alex. They kind of do human interest stories centered around the internet and technology. Okay, and it's it's uh, you know it's been around for you know, a couple of years now. It's phenomenal. Um, they just came out with with a new episode about how this guy was trying to listen to podcasts in his car. And every single podcast worked except for one called 99% Invisible, and they couldn't figure out why. I, it just would shut down the, the framework mm. of the car, and I won't spoil the ending of it, but it's it's really good. And they, they did stories <laughs> about, like, Pizzagate before Pizzagate was a thing. Yeah. They were covering, like... They were covering like, you know, like the memes and how that yeah. affected the election before, like during the election yeah. and all that was happening. And they also do things like, uh, you know, human interest, they'll call yeah. someone and, and meet with them. They have segments where they go and fix people's tech problems, yeah. but they also get to learn about the person. So is this a weekly podcast? Bi-weekly? It What's used to uh... be. It used to be frequent, but they've gone ballooned to the point where it's like really well produced and yeah. really solid stuff. So it comes out maybe every two weeks. Okay. Um, well, is there a, a day it normally drops? Can I, I listen to it on Apple Podcasts? You or... can listen to it everywhere. Okay. Um, and, you know, I probably should know at a point like this, but it's like a little <laughs> surprise every time it pops up. I'm like, oh my gosh, Reply All is back. Yeah. So I've been, I've been listening. I went to their back catalog. I've been listening to a lot of Reply All cool. this week. Cool. So we're stoked on Reply All. That's mm-hmm. good. I, um, I'm i going to take a time to turn it to a personal note with mm-hmm. what I'm stoked on. Mm-hmm. So again, I apologize for being so out of character this week, but mm-hmm. hey, that's why we're 17 episodes in. We'll give you a Big Al episode next week. Yeah, we'll give Alex a Big Al episode next week just go. not be himself because you, uh, you had to listen to me talk about Scrubs for an hour right, or whatever. Right. Um, I'm very stoked because uh, on the day of recording this, I am officially committing to the University of Florida for a PhD program. Hey, congratulations, Thank man. Thank you. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, so, um, I mean, that's going to add some <laughs> difficulties for our recording in the future. Oh, man, that's the least important thing. That's, it's yeah, awesome. But uh, hopefully, no, I mean, it's not even hopefully. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, by August, uh, I'm going to be starting a PhD program that's back amazing, at the University man. of Florida. That's where we did our undergrad. That's where we met. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going back. I'm going to do a PhD program in anthropology. 
Look at that. Full circle. Thank you, you Indiana Jones. You know what you got to do day one, man. <laughs> you know what you got to do day one. I will, I'm going to buy you a bullwhip as, as, like as like a congratulations present. I'll wear the bullwhip and the leather hat. And yep. um, I'm not there for archaeology, sadly, but I'll do it. It's not a big deal. They'll be like, yo, isn't this dude's cultural? Yeah, fuck you. Okay. I'm here for Indy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, when we're done recording, probably in a couple hours, I'm going to sign my paper, scan it, and send it in. Nice. And I'm Letter officially... of intent. Yeah. Send it in to Coach Mullen. Yeah, send it, submit it to Coach Mullen. We're going to win this natty champ, Dan. Let's there do it. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm happy. I'm very, very happy. This is something that um, I wanted for a really long time. You know, when you're in high school and all of your friends are talking about how they're going to be space cowboy astronauts or doctors or whatever, and mm-hmm. you tell everyone you just kind of like history. And you don't even tell people you like anthropology because you know they're not going to ask. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to college and you're Isn't in... Isn't that the place with clothes? Yeah, exactly. I or, like anthropology too. I, my, the thing... <laughs> I Honestly, my least favorite thing is like, oh my God, I love anthropology. I read <laughs> Sapiens. It's like, fuck you. Okay, <laughs> fuck off. You, you, you got to give them a chance. No, At I'm least happy. Did that. Like, yeah. I'm happy that it's bringing people to the field. People are understanding that it's a genuine science and that it should be respected because it, it it's always subject to budget cuts. So mm-hmm. I'm happy people are recognizing it. But it's one of those things where I'm just, like so passionate about it and I have so much love for it. Where I'm like, there's so much more. I promise you. Like, dude, I love Radiohead. Have yeah. you heard Creep? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, when you're in high school, you just kind of tell people, yeah, I just want to be a historian or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what are you going to do with that? I don't know. I guess I'll be a professor. Well, now I get to be. Yep. And I'm, I'm really stoked on it. I'm really excited. I think it's going to be it's going to be good. I'm very happy. It's going to be a journey. It's been something I've been working really hard for. There was a point in time where I thought it wasn't going to happen, so I was kind of down on that. Mm-hmm. But things kind of turned around. And the only reason I waited this long is because I got waitlisted at Columbia University. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of waiting to hear back from them. But And NYU, right? Uh, no, I, no. Um, uh, oh, Columbia is the one with the OG program you're talking yeah, about. Okay. Yeah, Columbia, I won't get into it, but it was the it's the best program in the country. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And they, they only have two programs there. They don't even have all four like mm-hmm, most places mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. But no, UF has a great program. UF's going to be a really good place, really good spot for me. And I'm stoked. I'm pretty stoked on it. So, I'm stoked for you, yeah, too. Can I, really I change my? It. I'm going to change mine. I'm stoked, <laughs> I'm stoked on that, dude. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Sorry really excited all. for you. Thank you. Yeah, I really PJ and I also pushed them off to the side yeah. this week. So for those of you who are still with us and made it through that awful story, it's not awful. It was a great story. Yep. But who made it through the story, uh, that's what I'm stoked on. Yeah, I bring it into a po- personal note, mm-hmm. but I'm excited. You know, I, I I think a lot of people, especially at our age, struggle with like finding their purpose or finding something that they're comfortable with doing for the rest of their lives because we have it in our heads that you have to find something and do that until you're dead. Mm-hmm. And it's a scary time. It's a stressful time. And not very many people get to say, hey, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? And I think I'm one of the lucky few that does get to say that. I'm going to lock in that deal, Howie. You lock it in. And you're (laughs) in. Lock it in. Mm -hmm. I'm in. So that's what I'm stoked on. I hope you all understand. All right. So I think think that about closes things. What do you think? I think that's it. I think we've said about all of it. Yeah. So check out our YouTube videos. We're adding it. We did a Choices Let's Play Maybe the second one's up by now. Who knows? Please remember to give us a review. Mm-hmm. We would greatly appreciate that. Maybe we'll read some reviews next week because we haven't gotten a couple more, which is super nice. Sure. Thank you, everybody. Mm-hmm. We have a Patreon. If you feel so inclined, if you want to hear us do more serious fix or you want to give us the fix. Just drop a couple schmackles in, yeah. the, in the jar. Yeah, we'll take them. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. Subscribe on YouTube. Smash the like button on all the vids. Mm-hmm. We'd really appreciate that. We stream on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Fireside. 
thank you for listening. Like I said, I really We're also hope- coming soon to that radio and the old beat-up car you pass yeah. every day. And you went, yeah. like, does that thing still work? We're going to come to that We're soon, We're coming to that too. soon. Yeah, start recording from there live. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we really, really appreciate you guys listening. We hope you guys had a good time. Please give us a feedback on whether or not this was something of interest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, any final words, final thoughts? Yeah, you know, go out um, – have a, have a conversation with someone today. You know, reach out, let them know yeah. that you care about them yeah. because, you know, we're all in our own show and we think everyone's got it nailed down, but you're no Superman. <laughs>